Welcome to the Shaky Town Radio Hour, an eclectic discussion of music, comedy, pop culture, and a sordid claptrap with actors, artists, comedians, filmmakers, musicians, writers, and other creative folks making a living in the city of Los Angeles. I'm one of your hosts, Brody Foster Hubbard, writer, musician, and reality show grunt worker transplanted from Phoenix, Arizona. Gene George, a comedian and California native who toils at an undisclosed day job when he's not bringing the funny, is my partner in podcasting. But this will be his last episode before hiatus to tend to his family in their latest edition. That's right, we granted him paternity leave. While he's away, I'll be conducting interviews on my own, as well as co-hosting with some special guests you'll hear from in the weeks to come. You can stay tuned for details at our blog on shakytownradio.com, which will also give you links to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We are a listener-supported endeavor, so you can also visit the site to find out how to donate to the show. This is our 101st podcast. After a launch in June 2010 with some sneak preview mini-sodes we like to call the Shaky Town Radio Minute, our first full-length episode was with Tom Neely, uh, and the music you hear in this episode is a song called OK, which is the work of his music project, Self-Indulgent Werewolf. You may know him as the artist behind IWillDestroyYou.com and the books The Blot and The Wolf, as well as part of Igloo Tornado, the art collective and creators of the punk rock love story Henry and Glenn Forever, which imagines punk legends Rollins and Danzig as domestic partners. You can follow Tom on Twitter, at IWillDestroyTom, or check out his website, IWillDestroyYou.com. Tom's a neighbor of mine, and he hosted Gene and I at his home to talk about the upcoming L.A. Zine Fest. This is an independent publishing convention with people coming from all over the country to sell and trade their work, there are speakers and panels. There's all sorts of events happening affiliated with it during the month of February. But the main event is happening on February 19th in downtown Los Angeles on the second floor of the Spring Arts Tower at 453 South Spring Street, upstairs from the last bookstore. You can go to lazinefest.com for all the details. There are two other guests on this episode involved with the event. Alex Chu is an illustrator, visual artist, and professional cartoonist whose work can be seen at alexdoodles.com. And also joining this conversation is one of the publishers behind Drippy Bone Books, Keenan Keller. Now, besides his own writing and comics, he curates Whore Eyes, which features outsider music and subterranean art of other artists. And you can follow him on Twitter at Drippy Bone Books or check out his website, drippybonebooks.com. Let's join our conversation with Alex Chu, Keenan Keller, and Tom Neely. Okay, it's happening now. The podcast is happening now. <laughs> good, good, good way to set it up. The Shaky Down Radio Hour is on the air. I'm Gene George. I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. Um, you know, it seems like uh, we had our hundredth episode and hundredth uh, podcast, hundredth item that was published to iTunes. Um, oh God! Now, see, just already, this is already tanking. Uh, and so it seems like we've kind of like I've been having like guest retrospectives in a lot of ways, and this this episode uh, uh, features literally the first person who deigned to come upon the <laughs> stage, uh, and uh, some other folks. Brody, I will let you introduce your friend. All right. It only took us a hundred podcasts to get back to him, but he has so much to tell us and catch us up with since then. Tom Neely is back on the Shaky Town Radio. Hello. And we he did not come alone. Nope. We have here. He brought a posse. Are you a posse? Did you say you guys are a posse? Cronies. I guess, like three, I guess it's three or more, right? Posse. Yeah. So. I hate that term, though. So. I know it's no. horrible, isn't it? No, no we're, not, we're a not a posse. Okay. But I love the the Melvin Van Peebles movie. Did posse. You? <laughs> oh yeah, that is a good one. It's a good movie. Uh, we have from Drippy Bone Books, Keenan Keller. Hello. 
And we have from AlexDoodles.com, Alex Chu. Hello. And uh, we are going to... There was a question mark at the end of that one. Am I saying that right? (laughs) Am I here? (laughs) Uh, We are here to talk about the 2012 LA Zine Fest comics and zine reading. (laughs) That's a lot of stuff. Uh, 2002 LA Zine Fest. Are are they going to read? Is everyone just going to sit quietly and read zines? Because that's kind of... 2012. To themselves. To themselves, exactly. 2012. (laughs) It's going to have a library-like feel to it. (laughs) (laughs) We dare you to have fun. So, gentlemen, tell me how you all got involved with the Zine Fest, what it is, and what you'll be doing there. Uh, We'll start with Keenan. Well, the Zine Fest... um, the women that are running it, I know uh, several of them. I know uh, Meredith Miller, uh, Meredith and Bianca, and they're friends of mine. I met them through other zine fests and from tabling before. And when they decided to start doing this, I decided I wanted to help in some capacity. And I and I'd done a reading that Tom had put together at Silver Lake Jubilee earlier last year. So I thought maybe we could do something for the zine fest to help support it, like do an event. And so I talked to Tom, he was down, so we just started inviting some of the people that we would be interested in seeing work in this capacity from the Zine, List, Zine Fest. So everybody that's doing the reading is from the Zine Fest. So. Very cool. Now, Alex, is um, you have an exhibit coming up, Paper Airplanes. Is that part of the Zine Fest? Well, they're helping me. Well, I guess I'm, I'm an illustrator, and I, I make zines and stuff, but definitely I just kind of wanted help promoting my show and it happened to come up around the same time but definitely i mean i love zines i'm, I'm very much involved in the zine community i mean that's how i started promoting my art in the first place is self-publishing <clears throat> but um yeah, you have a eyeball burp eyeball burp scene yeah i do that with my wife and it's just kind of our pet project um a lot of things that we're interested in or passionate about we want to promote and it's just we know so many people who are so damn good at what they do and never get a chance to even get their stuff seen or they they think themselves that they don't they're not worthy artists or they don't even call themselves artists so we wanted a forum for that so that's why we started it um originally and uh we're, yeah that's that's our project we'll, we'll do it probably for the rest of our lives and Never make money off of it, but we, we like doing it. Yay! A lot like a lot like doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Well, I think here, <clears throat> Bianca and Meredith sort of organizes a lot of different events under the umbrella of Zine Fest for Zine Week, and I think that was kind of your art, your art show is kind of a part of that too, right? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's several events. Zine there's week a, train. I know that Chompoy is, has like some kind of collaborative art show happening this. Or ne- on, the day, on the 11th. Oh, same day. day. Yeah. Same day yeah, as yours. Later so on that day. There's, yeah, so there's several the events all throughout the week. A screen printing social yeah. at some point as well, where they'll screen print. You bring something to screen print on, and they'll screen print it. LA and there's several other com, events, too, yeah. Yeah, there's. I saw even there's a thing that's going to be at the Eagle Rock Center for the Arts, like a, a mm-hmm. zine-making class that's starting, that runs through April on, I want to say, Tuesday nights or Thursday nights. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't hear about that. That's rad. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, hopefully going to be participating in that as a, a 
a student or whatnot. So, um, you don't know how to make zines yet? <laughs> no, you know that's the one thing I really haven't done in. You gotta do the shaky tone. Well, once zine. you learn yeah. how to fold the paper and staple it, it's easy. Right. <laughs> you never, that's you never, you part. never had a job like working at a Kinkos or anything like that. No. <clears throat> Holy moly! I worked. Well, I worked at how Phoenix, that, Phoenix how, magazine. How can you have a beard? How could you have a beard like that and not have worked at a Kinkos? At one point? <laughs> I only had the beard since I know. L.A. So never, never in Phoenix. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, Tom, we know your work very well. Uh, you, when you were our last on our show, on our first episode, you were just finishing up The Wolf. Right. Uh, that has since come out. Uh-huh. And you went on a tour. Yes. That. Did a, a long tour throughout the fall um, with several other uh, co- conventions and comic festivals around the country added on there, too. But I did my first, like, actual, like, two weeks on the road doing uh, book signings at different comic shops up and down the west coast uh, in uh, back in September was it or was it October I can't even remember now <laughs> last year was kind of a blur but yeah. but yeah so I did that and then did a couple of shows in like Brooklyn and Bethesda and then yeah now I'm back and the wolf's been doing well so far and I'm kind of back to getting starting work on a lot of several new projects now so very good um is there what, what projects can are you at liberty to talk about <laughs> oh anything um uh right now i'm finishing i'm finishing up putting together the first issue of uh the new henry and glenn forever and ever mini comic series um i think it's going to be like a, a four or five part mini series of different issues with different artists tackling the uh the idea very cool um and the first issue has uh first part of a short story i'm doing also short stories by ed loose who does waffable loaf comics and um benjamin mara who does traditional comics and uh he's a self-publisher out of new york who does amazing weird comics that lineup's ridiculous (laughs) yeah So, um, yeah, and he he just sent me his story, and it's amazing. It's like Henry and Glenn on a camping trip, and and then it turns into some kind of, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark. uh, Didn't you say, like, Hardy Boys? I guess a satanic cult kind of thing. (laughs) It's not very... His original idea was Hardy Boys, but it's not very Hardy Boys-esque. It's It's more like like Commando meets uh, (laughs) Boy Scout camping trip fighting a satanic cult. And so, it's got some good cameos so by pretty other much rock stars. Like any normal Boy Scout <laughs> yeah. jamboree or anything. And I'm doing a story that's uh, about, uh, well, it's going to be, my story I think is going to be serialized over four issues, but the first part uh, deals with the infamous pile of bricks that was in front of yes. Glenn Dan's actual house forever. So it, it answers the question <laughs> of uh, what lies beneath those bricks. <laughs> I drove so many friends from Phoenix who were visiting by that pile of bricks. Mm-hmm. For years, we were saying, like, when we first did the, the zine of Henry and Glenn, before it was published by Cantankerous, we were self-publishing, we, we kept saying we need to go steal some bricks from his lawn <laughs> and tie the zines to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just throw them at people. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, but then around that, around that time was when the bricks finally disappeared. Just disappeared. There's a funny story on the Internet somewhere about somebody, like, 
it was somebody like I am chatting with his friend who was like his neighbor, like saying like, dude, the most amazing thing is happening right now. Gwen Danzig is throwing bricks into a dumpster and he's yelling really loud at his neighbors, I'm moving the fucking bricks! <laughs> nice. I forget where it is, it's somewhere online, you can you can find there's like a transcript of the whole, like, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> Did they let his neighbors like complain to the city or something? Yeah, I guess some... They got like a letter in his like eight years or something, right? Like, yeah, they were there. The bricks. I mean, yeah, yeah. somebody's gonna complain. I mean, or you know what? Actually, I moved here in 2000, and I think they were still there, and like they, I think they were finally gone in like 2007 or something. Nice. But they were always there. Well, sometimes like the city will drive by and notice it because I think that's what happened. <laughs> our, we got a notice like that. Us and the, the guy next door to us because uh, our, our grass was too tall. What? But he's from the city of Burbank. I think they have yeah, more Burbank's to do with shit like that. So. You live in like the fatherland. <laughs> yeah. <totally. laughs> hey, they let they let black people in there now. <laughs> Literally, it was like only, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago that, you know, that you were allowed to sell property to black people at Burbank. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it was the unspoken, we keep uh, the coloreds out of Burbank kind of thing. Is like, I, which I never knew growing up in the valley. I knew Burbank was filled with a bunch of pricks, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, I never knew they were actually like racist pricks. <laughs> now, Tom, we've talked about where you've come from. Uh, from Why does racism always come up <laughs> when I'm talking about my comments? <laughs> um, that's because Danzig's a Tea Party member, so that's probably why. Um, so we know about your background from Texas and Tulsa and, and that. Alex, uh, where are you from originally? I kind of grew up in Irvine. It was really boring, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And then I went to school in San Diego. I lived there for about six or seven years. Uh, started painting down there and then got to do the Comic-Con every year, which was great. Yeah. Or hang out there, I guess. Not do it professionally <laughs> or anything. But then, um, and then I, and then I moved here. Uh, my wife and I got married last year and we live in Torrance. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of LA. Yeah, really yeah. Down there. I, um, yeah, Orange, the greater Los Angeles area. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, it's totally boring. No, no. What is it? It's our good channels. Yeah, I have to drive a lot in LA traffic. Sometimes being anything. in a boring place is motivating to make better art. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I work in a shed. I'm kind of like locked into this shed that I painted blue. Mm-hmm. It's really odd. <laughs> what shade of blue? <laughs> it's like a, I don't know. It's it's nice. The <laughs> <laughs> nice shade of blue. Is that the the, the actual Crayola yeah, like nice blue? <laughs> nice right, blue. right. <laughs> when you go to Home Depot and you well, look at nice. the swatches of you know. Not the blue that Keenan uses. His colors are all angry. <laughs> angry yeah. Blue. yeah, you're Where's actually that? yeah. Keenan, one of your comics is uh, described as day glow. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk about the premise of this comic because it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Galactic Breakdown, aka Space Battleground 666, mm-hmm. is about Roids, a Largo, Florida drug dealer who is beamed into the far off reaches of the galaxy and becomes an intergalactic space warrior. Pretty much. Now, and it, w- w- you describe it as a day glow comic, right? Well, yeah, actually, I forget. That wasn't my term. I. I think it was like on Printed Matter, some site that I actually mm-hmm. got the comic on. They wrote a description and they used that, and I was like, "Well, that's the best way." You know, yeah. it's like shorter than saying like ridiculous amounts of oversaturated, disgusting colors. <laughs> I can just say day glow, you know. Right. So, but yeah. And and that's a comic specifically informed by uh, like certain publications from the seventies. 
Well, yeah, well, I mean, I just love underground comics. I love Gary Panter. I love, I don't know, it's more informed from, like, not really being able to do it and just doing it, too. You know, like, I don't, it's, there's so many voices in my head telling me to stop or edit, you know, and so I had never fit, done anything like that before. So it was the first comic I ever drew was the first issue, and it was more about just kind of, like, doing my first instinct and just going and not really stopping myself. So you just sort of barfed it. it out. Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> really did, pretty it's much. I think, too. I think, well, no, because, I mean, I, mean I, I think that's really, that's one of the key things that I've learned over the last, like, four or five years is, you just do it. Yeah. You, you know, there's just there's there's a point where you have there's, to pull the trigger there's on There's other things that I take time and I do meticulously, but yeah. uh, this story is not one of them. Right. <laughs> you know, so. And the humor, I think, is generated. Well, what I find funny, which keeps me drawing, is generated from the stupidity mm-hmm. and, 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 like, ridiculousness of it. What are, um, and, you know, I know you have to uh, mind the spoiler alert minefield as much as you know you need to but what are some of the outrageous things Roids has perpetrated <laughs> or been perpetrated um, against him I don't know there's lots of whore bots and uh, as he perpetrated he's uh, ripped people in half he has uh, I mean most of the time he's just overly angry and aggressive and uh, almost seems unstoppable he's also been given Permaroids at one in one comic, which are like you know eternal roids, so he doesn't have to keep shooting up that buffed his blood. It's like the everlasting great. gobstopper. Yeah, he's kind, of, he's kind of like Macho Man Randy Savage on tons of drugs. God, yeah, God, yeah, God yeah. rest his soul. He's got, yes, yes. Um, he's got like hit his emergency mix, which is like yeah, ridiculous cocktail of drugs, meth, bull penis, GHB, you know, shit like that. Sure. HGH. All um, the classics. Yeah. Oh, what does bull penis do? Well. Gives you the strength of a bull penis. Fucking virility, man. Ah. <laughs> I was gonna put tiger, but bull is like that's they, they put that stuff in, uh, in Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. they put bull semen in Red Bull. Taurine, the yeah. taurine is. Roids is taurine free. Right? He <laughs> straight bull penis. Is it gluten free? <laughs> if, if I have a wheat so allergy, can I have probably, a wheat? Allergy. <laughs> it's definitely not vegan, but possibly gluten free. You can buy bull pizzle. Yep. For your dogs. Yeah. There you go. And um, tell me about um, Whore Eyes. Oh, that's um, it's like a ongoing curated zine that I put together. Um, it usually focuses on three artists per issue and comes with a CD comp that's like a collection of underground weird music. And the same as the zines themselves, it's three zines, each zine being for a singular artist, and they have nothing to do with each other other than the fact that I asked them to be in this together. You know, that's kind of the clashing of it is something that attracts me. It also turns off a majority of people that look at these and see mm-hmm. them too. Um, but those people can kind of eat it, right? Yeah, and also, I mean, I'm making like a hundred and something of these, you know, and it, I'm not making money. I'm not. I'm, breaking even is the goal. It's mm-hmm. not what it's being achieved right now, but like that's the goal in sure. the long run. But. Uh, Whore Eyes was the first zine that I ever sat down and really thought out and did. And it's mm-hmm. when I started with Drupal Bone Books. Right. Uh, and joined with my partners, Christy Foom and Mario Zutz. And, yeah, the, it's, it was about my love for freak music and weird punk and just all sorts of shit. And my, the diversity of art that I enjoy, too. So I just kind of mixed those together and it became right. Whore Eyes. And, and Drippy, uh, Drippy, Drippy Bone Books... Uh, 
it put, puts on a lot of things besides just horror eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're uh, constantly it's me and two partners, so I'm constantly putting out co- you know comics, z- weird zines. I got horror eyes. We're only on issue four, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so people can catch up if they want. No, the first three are sold out. Like that's the thing. <laughs> they're all very limited. Edition. Yeah, they're very limited. Hundred so, but people can start enjoying them now if they'd like. Yeah, um. they're not too far along. They can pick up the thread, right? And they can watch yeah, there's eBay no, for the other there ones. Is no that's like, there is no theme. What? Like it's anti-theme zine. It's an, you know, it's just literally like it's usually like some sort of mix between somebody who is illustrative, somebody who's very visceral, and maybe somebody who works in a realm that I'm not always drawn to, but I'm drawn to their work. You know, so. so it's just a real mixed bag. It's like mental diarrhea for like the things that I love. Cool. That's. Cool. I think you pretty much described this. Yeah, podcast. I should probably. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of function as a curator in that sense. Yes, for that one, I, I completely ask all the bands, and all the artists, and I deal with them directly. Um, so yeah, I, it's like an art show. I used to be a part of a gallery here in LA a couple years ago, and I really enjoy. Seeing, working with artists, seeing new art, and then letting other people see that work. So when I started doing the zines, it was like an extension to that, but a better extension, where I don't have to like throw parties and be around assholes and deal with like <laughs> people that run the gallery with me that I hate, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What is, and that brings to mind a question that you all can answer. Um, what are what are some of the pitfalls of having to deal with the the gallery system? I know Tom, the first episode that you were on with us, you t- you were talking about being able to deal outside of galleries and how that was a, something you were looking forward to? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a mix. It goes back, I go back and forth on it because I'm always you know, tempted to try and deal with the gallery world, but I often don't enjoy the experience of it. But, uh, I mean, I have, I've had some good good experiences, too. Like, we did a Henry England show with Lalu's to Jesus last year that <clears throat> was great. One of my favorite places in the city. It's they're the best people to deal with. Billy really appreciates people. I mean, he's like he's just an older version of like uh, you know like what Keenan's saying. He just likes to spread art that he likes to people. So and he's just he treats people right. Other galleries I've dealt with have not really enjoyed as much, but um, but I've been lucky too in, in some sort. But anyway, it's Such always a nice guy. Sometimes, okay, the ones I've I've actually had shows at, I like. The ones that I've dealt with in other realms, they they can fuck off. So, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, but the the point of that is, I've I've I was actually just talking about this the other day with somebody. I just find the uh, experience of making books uh, much more rewarding in the long run because, like, uh, going back to. I may have talked about this in my first in the first show with you, but like my first art show, my my first big art show at Black Maria Gallery here in town in 2007 was at the same time that my first graphic novel came out. And comparing those two events, retro, you know, looking back on mm-hmm. that, I've gotten so much more out of doing the the book. Whereas the art show, you know, it was great for a month, but now it's forgotten and lost. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, you do have but, that but that, mannequin still. Well, yeah, I know it's <laughs> it's taking up space in my <laughs> studio, but um, but yeah, so I don't know. Everything that I've been doing, I've been just focusing much more on doing books and, and mm-hmm. comics ever since, and and uh, so I'm much happier in that realm. Very cool. And you can get to, you can get to a lot more people and for a much longer time. Yeah. I and think, a- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Sorry, I think for me, primarily, I've been a painter for the past, like, two years, so mainly what I'm known for is jumping around in different galleries and doing different group shows. I mean, it's it's nice for me because I feel like each gallery represents a certain family of artists, so you know who you're going to see once you, like, go back into another group show and then hang out with them, so it gives you an opportunity to hang out. I mean, lately it's been really fucking hard to sell original artwork i don't know what it's like for most yeah. people but for myself it's definitely made me have to pick up a couple part-time jobs or whatever but um i don't know i think the thing that i hate the most is having to deal with the themes it's um, like yeah, there's like, too many theme group shows yeah i mean i'm everybody not everybody draw a bunny yeah <laughs> Well, and the problem with that is, like, if you don't sell the work, then you've got this one oddball piece that's right, a tribute right, yeah. to, you know, whatever. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, what I did do this. The, I was in the group show for uh, Giant Robot for the Year of the Ox. <laughs> They're and a I did good this, perpetrator. I did this giant show, piece of, like, the death of Babe the Blue Ox, and it didn't sell. So now I've got this one oddball giant painting I did of a dead blue ox that nobody's ever going to buy. <laughs> But you gotta anyway, find sorry. like some movie star oh, that it, loves big yeah, yeah, theme shows. Theme shows that are that specific drive me nuts. But. I hear you. I always try to cheat it somehow. Like I do a normal painting that I'd normally do, and if it's like a unicorn show, I'll just throw a horn on everyone's head, like yeah. nice. one nice. giant. Yeah, so like you just work a bit more abstractly, so that, that can you work. You just did that Stewie show, right? Well, it was a, yeah, it, I saw so those. you just drew Stewie on top of like your <laughs> paintings, and yeah. a couple of them were really <laughs> hilarious, man. A couple of them were great. I did the Divine show recently, and that was that's a, that that's worked, a good but I sold theme, my piece, though. so I'm happy as in with John it, Waters Divine. Yeah, that's yeah, a great like, theme because it's broad, and there's so much love for so many. Like that's yeah. more interesting than like even like. You're the dragon, or like <laughs> fucking, you know, the but, tree show. But the thing is, if the you don't sell it, show. then you've got this weird people, painting of divine. People love your, trees, man. Yeah. In your, that doesn't fit anywhere show. in your body of work. You just got this one weird, right, random. Right. It's not like it's not like you're it. known for that. Yeah. They would approach you and say, "Hey, draw one of those bull paintings you do." Yeah. Or whatever. It's like meh, meh. you got the <laughs> shoe it's always a weird thing. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. you no, were not at all. About, you were talking about how much you love working with galleries. <laughs> yeah, I took it in a negative direction. Sorry. <laughs> Has there been any, I mean, this being your latest exhibit coming up, going into it, having done, you know, having a history of doing it, what what are you keeping in mind here? Is like, okay, this is what I need to not do. This is the mistakes I've learned from. Or what are you doing? Yeah, sorry. First off, <laughs> first off, wait, for those of us who didn't do the research who on are this, you again? what's <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just uh, keeping the ball rolling. I guess it just feels yeah. like a part of what I've already been doing, and it's just like, oh, I booked a show this day. I'm gonna do some new painting. So it's nothing like, oh, I've had this huge desire to do this thing, and it's like a collection of all of my thoughts that I've had my whole life. It's, I guess it sort of is like that when it moves into momentum, but it's definitely just something that I um, have going on right now. But I, I, I've been trying to be a little bit more like positive, I guess, with my artwork and trying not to be like fake about it, not just <laughs> saying like, be happy and then everything is, is the happiest thing in the world, but I'm trying to be honest with myself and put something in the world that I think uh, people will, I, I don't know, feel good about or um, feel like they can look at 
certain things that I put in and try to like uh, affects how their psyche works or makes them feel have a better day. Yeah, I don't something know. something you'd written um, that I read was how the <clears throat> reality, this realm that we're actually all living in, is uh, at times a bit much for you to deal with. So you prefer to uh, live in a fantasy world that you're able to do your art in. And the, the theme, the theme of this exhibit coming up is about trying to stay young. Yeah, to the extent, or like coming to terms with growing older, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, basically, I mean, last year was tough. I tried to put myself out there as an artist with the full belief that anything was possible. And it was just like, yeah, being an artist is not easy at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a pain in the ass in a lot of cases. But then, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to promote a show that kind of focuses on the idealisms of being young because I think it's a beautiful thing and it, sometimes new artists will approach me and, and, and be like oh I'm going to change the world it's going to be this new movement or whatever and in my mind I don't want to be like yeah that's full of crap because I think that everything's possible and I want to promote that so I think a lot about this show is holding on to those idealisms and trying to um, put it out there that it's good to think that anything's possible and that I think about I'm, that stuff all the time. I've, I've had, I've been thinking about that a lot too. I mean, a lot of what I've been doing in the recent years has been trying to get back in touch with like what I wanted to do as an artist before art school, like kind of took me in other directions. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that idea of like, I think it's really important for any artist to like keep. I mean, creative energy is so much about being young anyway and 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 people not having that as adults <coughs> is a part of our system beating it out of you so i think it's really important for any artist to to uh explore that and try to hold on to those ideas yeah i mean there's something beautiful i went to portland uh a while back and then i i kind of um stayed at this guy tim goodyear if you ever meet him he's a really cool guy who's um up in portland works at um Floating World Comics. Yeah, he's also uh, a publisher. He publishes many comics under the name Teenage Dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. I talked with him, and it's like, dude, you have a kid. How does that feel? <laughs> and he's like, uh, he was telling it me about hurts. how, like, in in his experience, he thought the best time in life was kind of just being a little little kid, and he he relates more to infants and, and children more than adults, and mm -hmm. he hates the idea of even being an adult or having to deal with that and he was telling me about how having a kid kind of brings him back to that so i thought yeah. that was a beautiful thing well, speaking like, as an owner of a child myself <laughs> <laughs> no it's absolutely true and one on the way like and, yeah, as you guys are listening to this our audience as you're listening to this gene is holding his uh son well it depends on what time you what time they, what time you publish it and what time they listen to it because if it's after like uh, 1 p.m. on Monday, <laughs> the 6th of February, then I have uh, a son at some point. Unless something went horribly wrong. Then, then we'll edit this all out. We'll edit this all out. <laughs> we will never speak of this again. But no, I, I think that's true because, uh, you know, my, my daughter is now two and a half, a little over two and a half. And um, just the enthusiasm that she makes up songs with the word poop in them. Is fantastic, which yeah. you can see on ShakyTownRadio.com. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a perfect example. But I mean, it's just like she throws herself into it with such gusto that um, is uh, you know n no one besides the mentally ill 
over the age of like 25 would do something like that. And it's just so, you know, she, she has no boundaries. She has no filter and it's really kind of nice. We're of course charged with cramming filters onto yeah. her so that she yeah. doesn't get arrested or, you know, stabbed or whatever. I think to be an artist, you have to hold on to that. I mean, you have to, you have to keep it under control if you're dealing with the worst of the world, but you can't go flinging your poop at everybody, but you can draw paintings of flinging poop. <laughs> and under certain controlled circumstances, you can fling poop at people. Sure. <laughs> that kind of actually brings to mind something I wanted to ask about. Um, our guest last week, MJ Offen, uh, was actually... Who flings poop at people? <laughs> no, but she was a student of Mike Kelly's. And oh, yeah. I, Tom, I specifically saw you uh, post about him recently mm-hmm. and, and his passing. For So for people outside the... Um, who, who might not know, be familiar with, with him, I'm just curious about your thoughts about that. Uh, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't have... not like a huge devotee of his, but I always really liked... His work to me, he was he was like one of those rare, bright spots in in the you know contemporary art world that is usually filled with so much like cynical bullshit. He was somebody who was I think having a lot of fun making or I don't know maybe not since he committed suicide, which is a big bummer. But um, but I mean some there was some so there was always that sense of play and weirdness and like poking fun at things and he had a real punk rock attitude to to his work that I always appreciated. In the you know and there's very few conceptual artists or I would consider him for the most part a conceptual artist. Um, there's very few people in that realm that I appreciate at all, but he was one of them. So and he made he made awesome music and destroy all monsters and yeah. they made zines and and all kinds of cool stuff and I think the best way to judge an artist sometimes is to like look at people he's worked with and other artists he's worked with and like mm-hmm. his contemporaries and for he's worked with some of the coolest most amazing artists and musicians in the world and his work was always great but I also think about like well he must have been pretty amazing as well to work with all these cool and great artists yeah but uh, it's too bad he left life with like no art whatsoever like completely dry banal I'm gonna fucking asphyxiate myself you know like that's pretty weak <laughs> kind of upsets me when like some yeah. when, you know especially 58 he's got a lot of shit going still so it's like I'm, well, yeah there I'm was just a big sides. Destroy All Monsters yeah, retrospective in a book that just came out they just had it at Lace right yeah. that's where they had it and the book I mean, is beautiful he's, it's not like it's not even like Hunter S. Thompson where like I can't do it anymore I'm gonna kill myself. Right. It's like I'm I'm upset. Yeah. So that but kind of you I know, have an issue know, with that. You never know what's what leads somebody to that. Yeah. Well, if, I mean, you know, it if is angering though. If his brain <laughs> yeah, is broken, there's no, you know, yeah. you can't reason with that kind of stuff. That broken brain did a lot. No, no, no. I'm just saying, but there's, you know, but yeah. at least I got to see Extended Organ live one time, and that was wow. really amazing. So That's cool. that was a lot of fun. It was like in a posh. Beverly Hills backyard or something it was like the weirdest event I've ever gone to. <laughs> My wife's bandmate brought, like somehow got the invite and took us all and yeah it was like extremely posh, ridiculous. Like I'm wearing like one of the three people with a t-shirt on, you know. Like, yeah. like I we're just sticking out like sword thumbs. Nice. And then they're playing in somebody's backyard or, like this fucking mansion. <laughs> now, I think can... one of the other good things about him though, like overall, like was he was like one of those people who seemed like he was always interested in trying like every kind of thing you can do in art and I think that's something I've always been interested in in certain capacities whether it's comics or animation or painting or zines or 
whatever and I think you know all of yeah. us are like interested in exploring all those different things and combining stuff with music and books and all that stuff so I think he was that was something I connected with about him as well so yeah now as far as uh, that brings to mind for me as far as the the topic of combining media um what and everybody obviously chime in on this what is your opinion as far as technology's effect on art because this zine fest coming up is like going back to the you know the the, the basic you know ink on paper caveman yeah which is great um and then on the other hand you have all these new things you know new possibilities this podcast is something that couldn't have happened 10 years ago so what yeah. it could have it would just would have been like on ham radio yeah <laughs> like yelling it through you know right a bullhorn right right, right. You know, to the neighborhood you're right. just trying to push me into negative zones, aren't you? <laughs> See, I Not like at all. Like, I no, mean, I'll, 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 yeah. I have no problem with technology's effect on anything, man. I, lo- I look at too many different sides of it. There's, I think it's amazing in a lot of ways, but I also think that some of the amazing advancements are making art seem more disposable as a cultural uh, object. And I think the way people consume art, especially online it makes it much more disposable i mean as somebody who who uh, obsessively collects music in all forms you know i i collect tons of vinyl and i you know i download a lot of stuff too usually uh to check something out before i want to buy it um but you know stuff i have downloaded or out of print records that i totally forget i own but I go to my records like every day and dig through them. So I don't know. To me, there's I, but at the same time, it's amazing that you can get anything <laughs> yeah. online. So like, I'm not I'm not totally negative against it. I just don't I don't think we've reached a point where people have realized that there's uh, that it's not always just disposable, quick, digestible, yeah. free content. Also, of you know, it's difficult too to make when people expect everything free. It's difficult to make. Yeah. Or when living they at what you want to do, rip so. off your art for flyers. With music, yeah. with music it's different than art because music, the making of the money hasn't been from your record for the bands for years anyhow. That's the, a record label yeah, for indie music, milking your ass. So it's always been yeah. about touring anyhow, and I think it forces music to be what it should be about, which is the live experience yeah. and seeing them live and buying records directly from the bands. Well, that's what that, I, that's why I've been a, applying that to my own stuff too, like adding more touring to, to my own thing because that's the way you combat people wanting to get your stuff for free on the internet is you go go to them yeah, meet and you them can in person combat show that them the internet physical cynicism when yeah. they're directly in front of somebody and they won't talk to you the way they would in an email or on well they can't blog, you know? I mean yeah, because we're designed we're designed yeah. to take cues off of yeah. it's not like I'm going to go you know fag when I don't like something yeah. that you say unless I really know you but people I do, that do that to that on their content on their right. comments absolutely oh yeah I know that's, that's been that's been you know I've I refuse to read comments almost everywhere. There's no place that I give half a crap yeah, about somebody same, else's man. opinion yeah. because it always devolves into first, shut up, fag. You know, <laughs> it's like you're like Hitler, and it's like boom, and that's that, that's every but comment. If you go to like Vice's page, sometimes it's like like some sort of new scat poetry. It can be like almost. <laughs> let's, let's not talk about Vice. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but, I don't know. want to give them any free publicity. Oh, Christ. We can, like we'll bleep it out. Have Brody bleep that <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. Brody bleep that out. <laughs> no, it's all right. Just keep in the part where I say, I don't want to give them any publicity. But, <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> I, I think that, that there's, I think that there's a, it's a twofold problem of we, I mean, the whole, this is ostensibly a discussion of pop culture, and we do talk a lot about pop culture stuff, but I think that disposable pop culture cartoon kind of mentality, you know, is easily consumed on the internet. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff is just, you can lap it up, but I think an appreciation for art is deeper than an appreciation for pop art or pop culture, and, and that, I think, is lacking, and I, I think if you can go to people and say, hey, this, these are the people that I like, we talked earlier about... You know, an artist can be judged by the people he influences and the people he works with. You know, it, that to me is where art actually happens. The internet right. is a place where you can look at things that you like and you can research things if you're savvy about stuff. <clears throat> but I don't think it ever, you know. Well, it's also like it's to me. It's also kind of double-edged too. I mean, the, I look at it from two different perspectives. As an artist, wanting to communicate to the world with my imagery, I think the internet is like an amazing thing for reaching more people and I could not be doing what I do without that out that portal for sending my stuff out there but the, the flip side of that is as a publisher and an artist trying to make a living the business side of me is constantly frustrated with that that the there hasn't that those gaps have not been bridged yet for yeah. artists to be able to make a living right through these portals because it's so easy to... How do you monetize the content on the internet? Yeah, and, uh, I, yeah. and I don't like to think about that stuff as an artist because all I want to do is is for people to enjoy my work. But right. so, but then the business side of me kicks in sometimes. I know, you and just I get, can't worry. I like. But it's weird because like sometimes you, you think, you know, like you put out a new book and you start posting on Facebook and it's like a great way to get the word out that you have a new book out. But how much that translates into sales is weird because like I have... Oh, but you, know, hard, you can have thousands of friends. Yeah, yeah. barely reflects. Right. You know? Thousands of um, friends, and then you look at your your blogs, your hit statistics for how many people jumped from seeing you posted on Facebook and clicking like to how many of them actually went to your store and looked <laughs> at yeah. it. Is like you know you have like three hundred people like this, and then you sell two books. Like what's going on? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this isn't working. Well, I think that <laughs> highlights it's a communication tool, but it's not necessarily anything more than you. It's it's. I think it's harder to. Because it's it's not real in some ways. I think music yeah. is probably music is probably at the forefront of this because it's easily understandable. And everybody everybody understands music unless you're totally tone deaf. Yeah. And everybody knows the value of seeing something live versus listening to something recorded. And I think people still like finding stuff in person too. You know, yeah. a lot of people <coughs> probably just like see like oh you know Alex has a new zine out or Alex has a show that scrolls by but then well that's why it's just know, one part of the you yeah, know, of so, the process you know. Yeah, I've so then you have the touring like you were saying and you know Keenan, I'd like to hear your perspective, especially as a person who, with Horror Eyes, is publishing um, other folks' work and turning people onto musicians. Um, well. Well, well, what what exactly is the question? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, yes, I am. Do you like I the mean, internet? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. I do like the internet. I actually believe that it is not only a tool, but I believe it is a, a new medium of art. Because yeah. I know several artists who do do and use the internet. Like, even even my partners in Dreamboat Books, Mario Zutz and Christy Foom, are in a band called Modern Witch. And, and through the internet, through use of it and through using of their art because Mario also does videos and um, 
really, really powerful. He also does live projection, too, for parties and events. And, but he's just using it. They use every facet of technology to, to their benefit, you know. And that's the thing. I just, if you, if, you, if you don't like it or if there's some aspect of it that bugs you, then you, you don't use that. But there is so much thing, you know, without computers. And I mean, like, I would never have been a cartoonist because I'd never done a comic. I color it all in Photoshop, you know. Like, I want that, like, ugly, flat, for a galactic breakdown. So, and without this tool, it would have taken me two years. I'd have never finished the comic, you know. Like, I'd never have colored it by hand to this extent, you mm-hmm. know. So... I'm all for the use of it. You know, I also know there's horrible, horrible problems with it as well, but that's with, like, everything, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, people thought the photocopier was the devil because it's such lower grade than, you know, and, like, then they, you know, I mean, the printing press, like, goes written word pr- printed fast, you know? Holy shit, that's horrible. Yeah. Gonna Nothing's going to beat an illuminated manuscript, man. Nothing's going to beat a monk <laughs> working for years to copy a single later, manuscript. 14 pages. <laughs> right. Copy machine liberated publishing and gave us scenes. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. But I have all the negative. Like, I have all the hate, too. You know, like, sure. I, certain people, like, bleep Geisen. Um, <laughs> and other people that I see online stuff that I just don't appreciate and they anger me, you know. And even, you know, but I... And there's more, way more than that, but I'm just saying, like, there's there's all the aspects that we're talking about, too, like, comments and people feeling free to talk to you a certain way in an email or online that they wouldn't do in person. You know, that really bugs me, and that irks the shit out of me, but that's when I, I want to meet that person. So I'm going to be like, are you going to approach me like a fucking human being, or do we have a problem? You know, right. like, yeah. you could be six foot eight, bigger than me, but, like, people talk to you in emails sometimes, like, you're... Yeah fucking stupid and that's what it's like it's like the internet gives everybody asperger's it yeah. really is yeah. what it is oh, yeah. it's like well it, it turns everybody into a sociopath and gives you all asperger's at the same time <laughs> that's why like i refuse to do things like oh i'm making dinner in the kitchen can't wait you know i'm sitting down with my girl to watch this movie you know like on facebook like no i like does alex like the internet alex i well because no, you I, use alexdoodles.com to get your well, stuff yeah, across I, I really i mean for me internet the internet made me an artist because of MySpace. It's kind of funny to say that, but I mean, it opened up a world of zine making in general. I didn't even know that what a zine was or how it functioned until I, you know, started going online and then I started submitting myself and then I'm kind of like an internet whore. (laughs) It's really bad. Like It's an obsession. Like, oh, I can't wait to post this. It's going to be so great. But I don't know. It kind of is a disease a little bit. But I mean... But I, I think I think everything about art is is getting whatever idea you have out to people. So that yeah. part of the communication, I mean, I think we're all yeah. in agreement that it is a, a brilliant communication tool. Aside oh, yeah. from the I fact that it. it turns everyone into a sociopathic, yeah. <laughs> you know, sufferer or somewhere on the Ego autism cool. spectrum. Once you understand everybody sounds like a sociopath, and it gives you got to really be... then you can be like, okay, fuck it, yeah. I don't give yeah, a yeah, shit. Yeah, what yeah. That yeah the number of means. the, the number care. of comments, the number. Well, I mean, the number of comments or the number of, of email threads or, or, you know, comment threads and uh, different forums that I've had to backpedal and say, no, 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 hang on a second. We're all, <laughs> stop. Brody's famous for doing stuff like that on a couple of them. Wait, what Brody. did I do? <laughs> what? You, Brody the Peacemaker. Oh, Brody yeah, thank the, you. I think everyone here is misunderstanding everyone, and then everyone langs oh, on Brody yeah. for a while, and it feels bad. <laughs> I run into people at conventions all the time, and they're like, oh, you're a nice person in person. 
Online, you're like a raving asshole. See, I don't think that's true, Tom, but, I mean, I I do think you're a nice person. I don't think you're a raving asshole. You have started utilizing Twitter more since Mm -hmm. we last spoke on the show. Yeah. Is Um, he utilizing Twitter or is he using Twitter? Are you using Twitter to communicate thoughts in less than 140 characters? Are you using it to do that? It's utilized means you're using something for something that's not intended. If you use a screwdriver to pry open a bottle cap, you're utilizing a screwdriver. But I don't know where this question. The shaky town pedantic <laughs> hours on the air. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, this just we, occurred. Can we not talk about Twitter? <laughs> you're not this just Twitter. no, no. This well, just, actually, there, I think there's, there's, there's Mario like, is on Drippy Bones. There's a yeah, fake Keenan Keller who's a, a rapper who's on. I saw Twitter. that in my research. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Do you know about this? I Keenan? thought it was like one of your weird he like internet pranks. At one point, yeah, thinking like I thought it was me. I still think it might be, and he's let me. There Bef- is a I don't have enough time. Before we take a break shit. here, we're going to take a break here in a second. Everybody I just look up my rapper. I just yeah, I wanted I, I wanted to, there was a specific game. phrase that really uh, as I looked that up, Gene, I'm sorry. Let me let me let me explain why I jumped down Brody's ass on that. You, I at the, the where I work, my day job, it is a very jargon rich environment. And it is filled with people who say, do you have the documentation on that? And yep. let's utilize this mm. to develop synergy. Uh, that's and, why I stopped and I'm working like, at Disney. Use <laughs> started freelancing. If the fact you that wanna, you want to talk in your off time at all is pretty amazing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, no, I, I don't want to tie it necessarily. I mean, unless I'm writing something or writing a you know, joke or something. I, I'll, I, yeah, I just, but yeah, use and utilize. <laughs> you use something for its intended purpose. If you are writing with a pen, you're using a pen. If you're using that pen to shiv someone in the prison shower, you're utilizing a pen as a you weapon. Utilize toilet I, paper. I don't do use or use utilize. What I are tweet. you doing with the toilet paper? <laughs> I'm utilizing it to wipe my ass. I'm no, tweeting. you're using it to wipe your ass because that's its intended purpose. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So, uh, just uh, something to ponder before we take a break here. Uh, Keenan Keller, I rap about wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> See, it's totally you're not wearing skinny jeans. I'm convinced you're you, you're doing this Shit, secretly, dude. aren't you? This guy, oh, what are some more? I was smart. He's, he's pretty funny. Um, he also he's got a Facebook page. It's a I just said Twitter. Oh, is it? A, it looked like a Facebook. This plastic thing smells like a Spider-Man toy I used to have. <laughs> oh Christ! Oh. And with those words of wisdom, we'll so be right back. Did, you can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. This is Mary Kobayashi. And Marie Collette. And you're listening to the Shaky Town Radio Hour. Right, right before, right before us. So like, yeah, that's good. Like, good timing. I have a friend that good, went good on his summer. dream European <laughs> vacation with his girlfriend, and in Amsterdam, she dumped him. And they like saved up. She she wanted to dump him months before, but oh. say they. Oh up. Christ! You're gonna have to edit that out because of this guy. No worries. Them yeah, well, if you heard that, like, me laughing about it. He, well, she was a bitch, so you could leave it in too. I don't really yeah. care. But yeah, she dumped. He bought a giant mushroom, and he like took. He's like in love with it it was huge had crystals growing all over it and it was going to take it in Amsterdam and she broke up with him that night and so he was like if I take this I'll probably like kill myself or right. like jump off the top of a building so he like smartly didn't take it <laughs> and he's leaving Amsterdam like two days the next day so damn dude dumped in dumped on your <laughs> European chicks what's up with those chicks man <laughs> Tom what do you have a nickname for your house no it's okay. got a bug 
Can I call it the Neil? That's weird. The Neil Estate or the Neil Scott Estate? I don't. I name everything. I don't know why I don't have a name. for My house is the Meadows. It's like a Betty. That's a good. I'm gonna have to work on that. I'm gonna have to think about it. Yeah, ours is the Keller Compound because me and my sister. Yeah, I'm really I'm really upset with myself now that I have not dubbed my house. Six years now. My buddy Eric's place was Castle von Schenkelberg. Yeah, which is awesome. We're at the to be yet to be named. Estate spread. Where he's don't supplied us with beer and vegan brownies from Proof um, and bees. We're we're talking with Alex Chu, Keenan Keller, and Tom Neely, myself and Gene George. Um, Keenan, you're from Florida, or you live some point lived in Florida, which uh, yes, it's quite a place. Yeah, I, um, my family moved to Florida from Virginia when I was 11. So I went through like middle school and high school in Florida, and then I got as far away as I fucking could with bad yeah. grades. The character Royds makes a lot more sense now coming mm-hmm. from. Yeah, he's from like yeah. Largo, Florida. Yeah, you know, he's like based on like. Even if you hadn't told me that, I, I think know, I would have known. Or like just the world I've been I've been around. You know, I've had some. You know, it's Florida. It's really. It's god awful. I don't. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Try to go find a good show there. Like, no, you're not gonna. Everybody's like, man, you grew up like no, not. I mean, Marilyn Manson plays there all, whenever he tours, but that's like you know all the real metal bands. They're like, Florida sucks. Let's go fucking yeah, tour because yeah. we're from Florida. You know? <laughs> Let's go anywhere else. But I mean, I know like. I'm from yeah. Phoenix, by the way, so I don't oh, have okay. much room to talk. Yeah, but that's not the South. Still, true, true. I mean, like I. Numerous people I know that I grew up with are dead or in prison or in, and I wasn't even in like raised in a bat. It was just like that's Florida. Like yeah. if you don't get the fuck out. I had uh, for friends that were fourteen and had two kids. It's like how, how you know? Well, okay. When a mommy and a daddy love each other you very won't. much. So thirteen year old and a fourteen year old. Oh, those books were horrifying, weren't they? God. God. A very from? special hug. And what's happening to me? <laughs> and then special. you turn over and you see the back cover and you see all those hairy old hippies that wrote the book and you're like, oh. <laughs> that was very disturbing to me yep. in, in my childhood. Is that's puberty awesome. book? It's a, there, yeah. there was two books that uh, from they're the like 70s. The one whatever? was called Where Did I Come From? Oh. And that teaches kids where they came from. And one is What's Happening to Me for when they're starting to go yep. through puberty and starting to masturbate and stuff. The and to have your mom read those books to you and they have these like weird like very like early 70s fat hippie illustrations of like yep. you know like these fat hippie cartoon characters like rolling around naked together yeah, and it yeah. says like when a mommy and daddy love, love each, each other, other very, very much, much they share a very special <laughs> oh, hug and that that line has been burned it scars it's it scars you. when anybody and when, then at the end of the book when you've been read to it and you flip it over on the back pages there's a cover there's a photo of there's like five <laughs> people that sorry brody but they look like you (laughs) except (laughs) except the 70s version um long hair big beards yep um and and when you're five and you've just read a book about your parents rolling around naked together and then you turn it over and you saw those are the guys that drew this it's really disturbing yeah 
But that's then in the sequel, where did I come from? Is it teaches you all about this is your mom's vagina? That masturbation is okay, and that scarred me. Having my mom read that to me sounds like like a cult book. It sounds like that family. Yeah. Oh, that would get us off on a really, really crazy. (laughs) No, please. Sex family. Oh wait, no, the new farm place. The no, no. no. It was like not Manson's family, but they called themselves the family. Oh yeah. Guy like he had sex with the little boys and girls, and they made cartoons. They called it fishing, where they sent all the hottest women out to bring men back and fuck them into the crew. So they pretty much took Charlie Manson's idea of like get the get the men by having a harm of bitches, suck them in. (laughs) Then you have muscle and pussy. All you need is a little bit of drugs and sex, and then you're like God. So <laughs> I, I failed to see the flaw in this plan. Well, yeah. well, Wait, is, hold on a second. Wait a moment. Time teach, out here. They teach moms to jerk their boy, their uh, sons to sleep <laughs> at age like eight. All right. Well, uh, they force they force eight year olds to simulate sex until they actually start getting aroused, and like they they pre there's a there's actually like a psychology to it where you hit puberty before you have, where you can actually a kid can get a boner before he can even use his dick. Well, yeah, it's just and, physiological. And, yeah. Yeah, and so they use that to their advantage to talk, and it's just weird. Moms sucking off and jerking off wow. to sleep. It's there was like a whole so we have a couple a so we have a couple con, hash marks in the in the cons section. And the kid wow. that was raised to be the new Jesus in this cult actually, like when he got older, he got out, and he had so many mental issues, and he was really fucked up that he decided to go hunt down this god guy and kill him. Yeah, and kill his mom because his mom was like jerking him off when he was fucking sick. Holy Jesus! And he did kill like three, like two members, and I don't remember if he killed the guy, but he didn't kill his mom, and his mom's fucking still alive, and his mom's the one that did all this to him, and is still part of this fucking cult. What? It's amazing. They made wow. comics, though. They did zines to bring it all 360. They did these fishing <laughs> zines where it was like teaching the hot chicks how to go pick up dudes at the bar, you know, and you fleece yeah. them for their money and you make them part of the cult. Wow. Nice. Wow. The so comics like, are amazing. So like Jackie... <laughs> like Raymond Pettibone doing sex comics with like a, like a, like a little bit of God sprayed into it, you like know. Jack, wow. like, like Jack T. Chick, but even more evil. Yeah. <laughs> Jack T. Chick? The, the Christian track? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Chick tracks. Somebody chick left tracks. some chick tracks on my on my uh, doorstep a couple months ago. I definitely utilized <laughs> those for uh, punk rock flyers back in the day. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Thank chick you for using it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I use the word or utilize the word? You used it correctly. Um. So yes, as so you we're said, a zine cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, zines and comics and how we, uh, some of our, our zine and comics memory. I can say, honestly, the first zine I read was Maximum Rock and Roll. I mean, yep. way back in the day. Well, maybe, I don't know. Bill Florio uh, from Florida put out, uh, I, although I think he's in New York now, put out Greedy Bastard. That was a zine I read. I remember there was a Phoenix one called Attitude Problem. Uh, was like Mike Diana from Florida, too, like those zines and comics, you know, yeah. World Angel. Yeah. That's like some of the first stuff I first time I saw like a zine or comic and I actually like looked at it you know I grew up and I also sorry, like Deanna like, was your first exposure to the I've zine seen world. zines but it was the first like thing that I saw that I was actually interested in you know like to me I grew up hating zines like it wasn't until like through high school it was like it was lesbian poetry and bad <laughs> yeah. photography yeah, yeah. Yeah. and like a zine was like the worst word I'd ever heard you know and I was like fuck that and it, I didn't make a zine until you know, what is it, like four years ago, five years ago, until I realized that it, it doesn't have any connotation other than what I want to put on it. Right. But before that, you know, I couldn't stand, like, I, you know, it's very rare to find a really good, like, literary zine or, or a poetry zine or, you know, and so, and there's so many of them. Yeah. So, 
that's was why I, I had like a horrible. So I didn't really. I didn't really discover zines until I was in. I lived in San Francisco, and then uh, like I'd made some stuff like in Oklahoma or Texas when I was a kid, but I didn't know anybody else who made zines. So, but yeah, once I got to San Francisco, then I was exposed to like all these good zines. Like Comet Bus was one of the first things yeah. I found, and you know. Yeah, just all kinds of stuff. Were you that's like amazing. Huh? I mean, that's Were you like the super rare yeah. exception to like really good literary fucking zine and like really yeah. good reviews and everything like that. Alex, you said MySpace got you into zines? Yeah, that and like Tower Records, I was kind of sheltered. Tower yeah. Records? <laughs> Tower was Tower. a great place for yeah. zines, yeah. man. They, they, were, they were awesome. That was one of the best things about Tower was that they always had like a really good zine section. Yeah. Were you gonna say something? I was just Leslie talks about Tower all the time too. Oh She's from yeah. Monterey Park, so she like grew up in LA. So That's all we grew had. Up at Tower. Once Tower went under, the, it actually killed a lot of big zines. They had from back really in the day. big. Like, like a lot of my friends who made zines around LA, like once Tower went under, That's they all stopped making zines. When I was like eight. I bought a fucking Japan. I guess I was ten when I bought a Kira when it first came out on like uh-huh. subtitle. I had to pay like. 58 bucks or something for it right. it wasn't like mass distributed <laughs> and it was at a tower that's where I bought Akira and I was like yeah my favorite movie yeah like from then to like you know 12 years later probably this is the in case you don't know the classic um, anime feature which they're they're remaking as a live action all white cast <laughs> set in New York George Takai uh, is not letting yeah, that happen fuck that <laughs> he's not letting that happen he's taking fuck it upon Hollywood. himself man He's fucking hilarious. It's interesting how he's reinvented himself. He uses the internet to its fullest, truly. Yeah. I I still, I I will back him. And he has more of a personality than most actors or celebrities. I will back him a million percent. I may have told this on the show before, but the the moment that I absolutely fell in love with George Takai was, like, I'm going to say it's probably like 1987. No, maybe a little later. When did Home Shopping Network come out? It's been... Been, been around for a hell of a long That's time. From Florida as well. No, you know what? It had to be. It, it had to be the home of the home shopping. It had to have been. I grew up across the street from the home of the home shopping. It had to have been. It had to have been like mid late eighties. Um, and and Takai was on some Star Trek collectible show, and my buddy Aaron and I were watching, and and they trotted out because that's right because Next Generation had already been on, so uh, they trotted out like the the Enterprise from Star Trek Next Generation. And, they were asking him questions about it, and he was like, uh, well, that was from Next Generation. I, I start on the original series, but it does have a nice pewter sheen. <laughs> and I'm like, that save alone, dude, I'll, you know, I'll back him a million percent. Yeah. For the rest of his life, I'm behind him. Whatever he wants, fine by me. We're being attacked by a bee. Hold on a second here. Uh, it's because we're all so sweet. Oh, my God. Um, it's so funny. This is on you. Taking right. a bee break. It smells He's your fear. Gone. It smells your fear. You good, Tom? I think so. Are you allergic to Are you allergic to bees? Yeah, yeah, I can uh, hard I can shot that I can find. Um, it's on top of the fridge. Yeah, right. Right. Just, yeah, right. just <laughs> let me know. All right. I got to put it right through your chest plate, right? Uh, no. I, I'll <laughs> do it. I'll say I've never been stung because I never swatted them. So okay. I've never had to use one of those, did, but I know see, how I used, to use it. If, yeah, but but you like were tested, and, or you just yeah, suspect it? Uh-huh. No, when I was a kid, I was tested, and they oh. said bees could kill me. Nice. So, but I haven't been tested in like ten years, so I may not even have that allergy anymore. You know, Best not to mess with. We may have talked about this tonight, on the show, but um, I was in a film called Well of the Beast, and Emmett Casey, when he was on our show, might have shared this anecdote. the The lead in the film, Adam Brooks. Um, 
the part in the movie where his character gets attacked by a bug, we're sitting at Emmett's, or it wasn't Emmett's house, it was a friend's house. We, we were sitting in the house, and when it's coming into that scene, Adam was sitting there and suddenly, like, like yelped out. And it turned out there was, like, a dying bee had snuck into the house, and it bit him as his character on screen is getting attacked by this bug. Oh, wow. And uh, and he'd also just been in another movie called Millennium Bug. So he had, like, this... Did it sneak into the house, Brody? It, it did. Totally, like, it had spy gear, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And, he's, and we all thought, like, is he kidding around? Like, is he just being a, a dumbass or something? Like, no, he's actually getting attacked by a, a dying bee right now as his character also is on screen. Was he allergic? Well, you're always yeah. getting attacked by a dying bee. Because <laughs> if they sting you, they die. Yes. So. Mr. Wizard. <laughs> they fly in and out of my house all the time. I, I try to trap them and take them outside. Mm. It's a good policy. It yeah. sucks that you're allergic because, like, they're the real cure for, like, arthritis and, like, several joint divisions. And, you know, getting stung by stung. bees? Yeah, yeah. Like, people, really? like, yeah, homeopathic. They, like, will sting themselves and people. It's, li- I mean, it works. Scientifically, it's been studied. It works, That's and weird. lots of people use it. You know, yeah, they sting themselves, and you and they have the they bee. have like the medical facilities. Really, dude? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're the making bees. they're making bees. they're making bees. That's the thing. You know, bees it's not great. like they're taking they're capturing and ensnaring wild bees and the population's dwindling because no, of this. No, they're they're, they're actually they're, creating they're, more. They're creating bees that have to spend their life in in captive servitude to be eventually. They live. I've seen they live in a giant tent arthritis. with a huge hive together <laughs> where they create their own, and then if they hit much, a certain maturity, they they harvest them <laughs> and they can they test it because they paint them on their back like a little dot. A paint to know, so they know, you know, which those color-coded are the, ones. Those are the bees that have consented. Those yeah. are the ones that have been marked. Those are the bees that have consented to die. Is the, is, do they you mark them with, I, a, with I, a little I totally uh, story of David? I totally am all right with some of your life choices, Tom, but <laughs> killing, killing things is like... As you, as you guys remember, Tom life, is a vegan. Die. Bees, bees, I, they are bees much needed. The world go around. They do. They, these bees are not those bees, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, arthritis. If I can draw... If I can't draw when I'm like 50, I know I feel I'm gonna be stinging the, the shit out of my hands every day. I'll kill. I'll be like bee too. genocide. If, if I ever can't draw, I will commit suicide by bee sting. Well, I wonder. I wonder if the benefits. You're going of the, with me, asshole. I wonder if the benefits of the uh, the the toxins and the bee sting would be, you know, worth it. Like. EpiPen in one hand, B sticking your hand into yeah. a beehive. I don't know. I think you're you counteracting just... it. Probably. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Flash Gordon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. So let's look at Was what... it Pierce Brosnan or Timothy Dalton? Timothy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's make sure we're getting yeah, this thing. Maniac Cop. Right. Bad guy, right? What's that guy's name? Um, Teared up. So, cheese grater. Zines. Yes, really quick. Cool. <laughs> let's let's look at uh, what's coming what? up here. Uh, well, on the um, 18th at a uh, homeroom at 32, uh, 30, I'm sorry, 31, 21 Bell, Bell, Beverly Boulevard. I've had a couple. Sorry, I have a couple drinks in me. Uh, let's see what uh, who's going to be there. Obviously, Keenan so Marshall Keller. Yeah, a whole bunch of people from the Zine Fest. Um, different cartoonists and zinesters and stuff so what we do is for comics people we we project their artwork on a wall and they and then they act out the dialogue and it's something that happens at a lot of comics festivals in the bay area and up in portland and stuff but it's not 
really done much around LA. Yeah. So I, I started doing it at Silver Lake Jubilee two years ago, and people seem to like it. So yeah. That was your re- you were reading the blot. And then? Uh, well, you did a wolf preview. Yeah, I did. Oh, a wolf it was a wolf. Thing, yeah. Okay. And I did the blot the first year. But, That's right. But I do for me since my comics are wordless, I have music that I've written that that goes along. Yeah, self indulgent werewolf. But but Keenan actually does something. He, he did. Uh, it was almost like watching an old school radio show uh, with he had like three actors, sound effects, and a soundtrack. And it all came together. It was it was yeah. pretty brilliant last year at Silver Lake Jubilee. So. It's kind of elaborate, but my friend um, Eric William Pearson he uh, helped me. Well, he actually did all the physical editing of you know because it's just pretty much each frame you know uh, in succession as we read it live. So he helped me edit it and put it together with some sound effects. And then live we read all the characters and all the dialogue. And with my wife as well, Leslie Shino. She does, like, all the narration. She does, like, the female robot. I am, uh, you know. <laughs> and then Eric does roids. And, I, and then I read some of the other characters and fill in. But uh, my friend E.P. does a lot of it, too. And it's Very really cool. great. His roids impersonation is awesome. <laughs> and it is like a radio show because we're trying to keep up with something that's already been pre-cut and edited. So, like, it some, sometimes moves faster than we are. You have to, like, catch up. It's pretty it fun. was a lot of fun. It's literally... The scariest thing I've ever done, because I obviously draw for a reason. The reason why I've never been a performer is because I'm scared as hell right. to be in front of people. You know, that's one of the fun things about comics readings, is because you're forcing people yeah. in total shut-ins. When Tom to, asked like, me, me on stage when and Tom asked stuff, me my and it's first, a horrible like, experience, but, but it ends up being kind of fun. to say no. You know, yeah. Yeah. He asked me, he was like, no, there's no fucking way I'm going to go up and read. I'm going to be on the front of a stage reading my comic. Like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> well and I was like, that's the reason why I have to do it. But that's it why I have to keep making doing it. it kind of wonderful. Yeah, way, I think. it's like so. rage against the dying of the light, right? That's what it really <laughs> is. If I can go in for it. So, and it, it, it's a lot of fun. And it's yeah. re- mine is like going to be one of the longest ones. It's kind of, it's like 10 minutes long. It's a whole comic, you know. Um, but it's fucking funny. I, I believe so. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And then there's like so many other people. We got like my friend and this great artist, Shallow P, who's coming and reading from probably one of my favorite comics of last year, uh, Cosmic Bummer Funnies, which is like this ongoing comic and blog that he does where he puts up new comics. You know, he used to do it like almost every week, you know, every Sunday, but uh, it's a little bit less than that. But it's absolutely hilarious. The most absurd, weird melding of pop culture everything and his through his mind that's an amazing blender and spit out i love it i love there's, it there's a guy giving uh matt corman doing a pseudo scholarly analysis <laughs> of the et ripoff mac and me yes oh, which i think should it's be gonna awesome. be a highlight I, think, for sure. <laughs> I believe that um the star of the adventures of beans baxter was in that film one of my oh, favorite yeah. shows growing up. The new adventures of Bean Baxter? Yes, Batman? Savage Steve Holland's Beans Baxter. Yeah. <laughs> and he was in Mac and Me, and so was uh, so was an E.T. Was that, was that, that was a McDonald's tie-in, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, Mac that was like was. one of the first, like, really big, like, I mean, they're in that movie ridiculously. Right. Reese's um, Pieces did it for E.T. We yeah. should uh, have a movie exactly. with... Exactly. Yeah. Well, much cheaper. We put way less into it. <laughs> right, right, right. And way more product placement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, they're also and then you got like Igloo Tornadoes doing like live uh, Henry we're, and Glenn. We're gonna do some kind of yeah. Henry and Glenn thing. I might actually get some voice actors to do that. I'm trying to work that <laughs> out. Um, <laughs> you should ask Henry Rollins. He's gonna be doing the Zine Fest. You should. Yeah, no, I've got the, <laughs> I, I'm trying to get the voice actors that did the uh, Henry and Glenn Christmas special. Oh, okay. 
to act out the new story I just finished drawing. Uh, so it, Rollins is actually going to be at Zinefest? Oh, yeah, yeah he's, he's interviewing uh, a um, Vale from Research. He's uh, just going to stand in the back room and stare. No, he's, uh, he's doing a live interview. It's going to be like the cool. closing event right. of the Zinefest. Yeah, we'll see what happens when we meet. <laughs> but he was, he, yeah, did you see the Nardwar interview? Yeah, he talked Recently, to Rollins about that. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. Um, who else? Yumi Sukagawa, Malachi Ward, do, 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 do. Jed McGowan. Mary What's this Hale. thing Garfield that you're doing? Oh, oh I oh, yeah. well, <laughs> a long time ago I did this. About five years ago I did this. Uh, this was before Garfield minus Garfield and all that shit. I remember this. Which is all great. I love all I love that all shit that ruined it for me. No, no, no. <laughs> I love all the the incarnations of Garfield appropriation. I think they're all brilliant. <laughs> Especially Lasagna Cat. If you've never seen yes. those, shows, those are amazing. And or the upcoming Josh Bear. Comics, Suspect yeah, Device, yeah, too. Yeah, Suspect Device that Josh Perry is doing, which is amazing. Um, I did this, I just got obsessed. I loved Garfield when I was a kid, of course. I think sure. every cartoonist in my generation has well, a it's ubiquitous, Garfield. Well, yeah. yeah, it had so, like the 20 of the volumes, you know. I, I, got, so I, d- I got fascinated one day with just all the panels where nothing happens. <laughs> where it's just one of them sitting there at the counter. Or whatever that you know that broad board that they're always leaning on <laughs> the Muppet and, board, and the Muppet just board, like staring, yeah. <laughs> you know, or John like holding his coffee mug and just staring, and then staring the other direction. So I I, I went through like hundreds of volumes of of Garfield and stole every panel, not every, but I stole all these panels where nothing happens, and then I tried to make a, a narrative comic that's like twenty pages long. You know, they kind <laughs> of like brilliant. the line just kind of slowly it devolves into It is really, mush. really amazing. Actually, so it's, it's very it's kind of fun. Well, the Garfield randomizer that was like one of my favorite things on the internet. And oh, random. I haven't, I haven't seen the. Randomizer. Oh yeah, it may, it may or may not be around anymore. But it, but you could do a three panel. Random totally Garfield strip, and those were oh. always my favorite. When we'd just come up with something completely, like, you know, yeah. Garfield in his bed, and then John with his coffee, and then Odie <laughs> running across with you know, nothing, nothing going happens, on. Yeah, 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 totally awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's and, pretty much what I. Do. You have like brilliant, twelve man. panels in a row of just sound effects, though, and that's all that's yeah. playing too. It's like amazing. Nice. I remember though, I went to Comic Con and I bought the blot for the first time. And you're like, hey, I made this. Don't tell anyone. Like, it's like, don't tell Jim Davis I did this. And then you handed me this comic. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, re- I, made, a, I made a oh, zine I of it. Nice. And I would just give it out to people for free. My name's not on it or anything. So <laughs> we'll, bleep, we'll bleep that out. So, but then, like, uh, no, it's fine, because now there's, like, all these different... Sue you. Yeah, so many... sue you. you oh, we, more, I we mean, put like... up a, uh, on shakytownradio.com. I don't know if sorry, you remember... I mean, <laughs> You're, you're awfully willing to get him yeah, into litigation. You're like the dude. You're like, no, man. No, you can take him. I have to say, though, I think I think there's something that speaks to Jim Davis's credit that he hasn't gone after. There's so yeah. many different people that are doing yeah. weird. That's absolutely true. And, and he's never gone after him. And in fact, like he gave his blessing for the Garfield without Garfield book. Yeah. And, and everything it, like he, well, they ruined it by putting the real strip on the same page uh, as oh, the, right. without Comparison. Garfield. They should have separated the two so you can right. read it without right, right, Garfield right. and then read it with Garfield. But then he's like, "Thank you, anyway. got to pay me for that." And but plus, it's cool. Like I mean, like Lasagna Cat exists. Like all that stuff is still available, and it's all amazing. Like every. Yeah, we and the, and there's all these people that do like family circus like recaption. Yeah, like, yeah. I've got like at least four different friends that's to like, do that I mean, every that's, day. Yeah. 
That's that whole pop culture blender, like reappropriations. Uh, Scott Nobles, who uh, is part of my art fraternity, Ugly Tornado, is doing a Love Isn't zine for Zine Fest, <laughs> where he's just redoing Love Is strips. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's awesome. like the new, I love that there's so much of that happening now. The new <laughs> yeah, I, of, like, I'm, I'm 100% sure. Comics. And I, but I think like when when Jim when uh, Bill Keen died recently, I was thinking like you know I think in some ways he's probably the most unintentionally he's unintentionally the funniest cartoonist that ever lived because so much stuff grew out of Family Circus making fun of how bland it is <laughs> that it makes that strip so much richer yep. like and it it works on its like the early Family Circuses are actually really good and kind of weirdly melancholy. Something about that frame but that's a circle. He like was spying you c- you on this fucking boring. You couldn't family. say that. Why was, am I watching this? Boring? You couldn't say that he was insincere. No, no, no he's he a, was he's a like great cartoonist. He did what he did, and he did it really fucking right. well. Yeah, and but it, and, and he was never but trying to himself make, be a not funny being strip all guy. that funny or good of a Sunday comic. It's become like culturally relevant because other people. Well, everybody, but that's the thing is you every every single person. You know, in North America, that's like all has anybody really hopes for to yeah, like scar but. one person enough to where they remember <laughs> you like in yeah. that way. You it's, know, so like I, I remember uh, ten years ago getting in arguments with people that swore that Peanuts was like the worst strip ever. Like people were so bored with like the later. Really? Years. Have you read Dilbert? Have you ever no. seen a Dilbert? Like, there's I, no, I there's like, like no, the well, worst. You know, so many arguments with people convincing them, no, Charles Schultz is a fucking genius, and now everybody appreciates him. Yeah. It's weird, like, things, like, flip and flop all the time, but, like, I think Family Circus, I think Bill Keen is due for a revival. Well, well Dilbert, well, now Dilbert's, dead, a, he will. Dilbert's like a documentary. Books, yeah. Dilbert is as, as amusing as a documentary. I, because that's Dilbert corporate America. Comic but, but that's, like... No, it's I a mean, documentary. It's, yes. it's, when, when I, because I've had... Space is funny. Dilbert is excruciating, <laughs> and it's not even, it's not even interesting. It's drawn as oh, bad as I don't even want to talk about Dilbert. Well, wait. I want to talk about Dilbert. <laughs> I will not talk about these things. I have but really but this is my my my, my like point. Family Guy problem. My I point. have an wait, 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 wait. anti-Family Guy rule in my house. I know what I'm getting it you for Christmas. Never, is never. I know what I'm getting you. Dilbert, Dilbert, Dilbert is goes for the easy joke, and and it and it's it makes me angry when I read it because I work in an IT shop. It is, you know, part of the canon. Um, you know, we we end up getting Dilbert calendars or whatever. Somebody buys us. You work at IT, and you read them, and it just makes me angry. Yeah. It's, not even, would, it's, it's so bad. It's not even worth inspiring uh, parody. You know, yeah. But it did. But, but and this is what I would ask you. Was great. What about? Did well, you? Were you guys familiar with the Dilbert? You can't see my face. Cr- cr- Chris, Chris Elliott gave Chris Elliott work. That's the only thing. Good about. Did you, are you guys familiar no, with it? That was like the lowest point of his life. Still. Get a Life is like the greatest TV <laughs> yes, show. Yes, Get a Life. Awesome. Evil Heart's pretty good, too. Do you know about the Dilbert Hole, which where it was right. Dilbert cartoons reappropriated with um, just but, obscene language? See, no. that's the whole thing. But like see, I, like Tom said, I'm actually kind of, we're <laughs> like, talking too much about look, Dilbert. I don't that's even want to look problem. at Dilbert for the parodies. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, no. I just don't want to have anything to do with this. Same thing with Family You want to parody something graphic, too. You know, you want something that has an element of design or something that drawn... I mean, it's like, like that's why Family Circle. At least it's like, like the, by there's a precision to it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. 
That's exactly what it is. It's 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 a comic written by and for IT drones. Yeah. And and speaking as someone who is employed as an IT drone, it just angers me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be reminded of it. It's, it's totally like if I bought it's a like video game. Propaganda. It's like, like if you bought a video. This is what you're doing. It's it's like if you bought a video game that consisted of going to the store, buying groceries. <laughs> Cooking your meal. You mean sitting and wait, going wait, and buying the wait, video you're game. describing all of the memoir cartoonists that are friends of mine. They all—that's all they write about. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but I think that's I think that's it's different. Reading a slice of life. But you know what I'm, I, I, I'm saying as an ex, as an experience of you know of your own. I, it, it, uh, uh, it does anger me. It actually, uh, you know, I think my mom bought me a Dilbert calendar. Might have even been last year, and I just I would stare at it. I, w- I would let it build I'm up. Sorry, you I didn't just know get a bunch of like assholes and inundating it you with Dilbert. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like when my mom ever goes to shows. Like recently, she sent me an email that contained. She was like, "You'll love the humor in these." Even, and then that was the that was the subject. Uh-huh. Line. You open it up. It was like, even if you don't believe in it. Or, <laughs> and then it's it was it was uh, what was it? It was the. I forget what it was called, but it was a Christian ripoff of The Far Side. Oh, God. It was all the, side or something. It was all these, like, one-panel gag comics that were ripoffs of The Far Side, but with religious themes. Right. And they weren't funny at all. Like, I don't know why she would believe they, I would, they I would think appreciate the humor. Real? <laughs> no, it wasn't right. even like a that. monkey it was, talking to a monkey or something. It was something. like Bible stories, like like you it's know, like good, Noah <laughs> standing on the ark and someone being like, "Why'd you allow mosquitoes on the boat? <laughs> Nobody wants them around." Or something like that. Just like so wait, that, you're talking about like some gold mine though. This is pretty great. <laughs> Because that's, like, genuinely, your mom snickered when she saw that. That's it's funny because it's she true. With stuff. Oh, if only Jesus would have said no more mosquitoes at some point. Oh, man. What do you guys think of? I, I'm not going to even. I, Family guy. Let's talk about no, it. No, 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 no. No, I'm sorry. A strict rule. All right. I'm not going to even bring up what I was going to bring up. Well, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Family Guy's my only rule. No, I just, it brought to mind. Really? What about American Dad? Uh, that's included <laughs> under the umbrella. I see eating any something. It's like actually above, you know. Anything else he's ever done Let's is stop it. Let's stop it. talking about it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to dismembers of my family, so I'm going to move on. Oh, you were going to ask a religious question? Is that what you were going to ask? Yeah, something along those lines, but no, not not that. But anyway, let's talk a little bit more about things going on at uh, LA Zine Fest. Um, <laughs> that's a safe topic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, like, because I was really saying, it's not just like a one day thing. I mean, there's this specific day on the 19th where. Yeah. Folks will be gathering, but there's all yes. this stuff like Skylight Books is having a a zine sale. sale. Yeah, um, yep. they're trying to build hype for the convention, and then they organize the whole week prior, and even weeks like right be- days. Yes, before, yeah. yeah I mean, we're the night things. before right. doing the comics reading and zine. And reading. then the night yeah. before us, there's another event at Homeroom. Home it's got some bands playing and right. Uh, and- yeah, like Skylight Books, your it's art kinda, show, Chill yeah. Poise art show. What else? There's a bunch of stuff happening. It's right. cool that they're, like, trying to, rather I, than just, like, do traditional, like, you know, word-of-mouth promo, they're, like, mm-hmm. organizing several events that I, build up this whole momentum. I think it's a really cool idea. I hope it works. Cause yeah. yeah. L.A. really needs some kind yeah. of, like, independent small press outlet for I, because I go to, I travel all over the country to shows like this all the time. Yeah. And why LA can't have one? I think part of it is like people are 
you know, it's hard to get people to come out of their neighborhoods. Which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking yeah. exactly Location the same thing. Is a difficult yeah. part, you know, geographic dispersal. But maybe being in a downtown bookstore will the space is amazing. Will work yeah. where it's going to so, be above last bookstore. It's yeah. Really yeah. What? Now tell me more about that because that's a fairly new bookstore, isn't it? They've been for like three years. So they've actually been a bookstore before, but they moved to a new location right in downtown. Yeah. And it's a nice, large... The bookstore is amazing looking, like, inside, the architecture of it. And it's just big and amazing. But they offered the Zine Fest to use the upstairs, which is, like, kind of open. And it's, like, almost like a U-shape or almost a circle-shaped series of hallways that have all have, like, large windows behind them. And it's on the second or third... It's on the second floor. So it's, it's beautiful. The space where the Zine Fest is happening is actually... Ridiculous, Ideal. and the fact that like last bookstore was like bookstore. here, use it. You know, they didn't. There was no, no like bullshit. haggling or anything. like they just were. Sure, you know, that sounds cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey man, get people to know about the bookstore. We'll do this. It's all about. He understands that I, I do not know his name, but the guy who runs the last bookstore, I think he understands zines and self-publishers are things that keep bookstores alive and going, especially if there's a community of them in a city that has like an influx of like, holy shit, there's a lot of amazing shit here that's not anywhere else. Yeah. Um, there needs to be more of that. I mean, like Skylight and Secret Headquarters and Last Bookstore and Book Soup, you know, all these different like indie bookstores that like, it's something that if they focus more on like their local communities, people making this stuff makes them unique yeah. as well. And I think that's really cool. That's yeah. what kind of blew yeah. me away about Zine Fest is because when I first, um, well, I always complained that there's nothing in L.A., but then um, once I started seeing all the artists who were signed up for it, I was kind of every single link or every single person that I clicked on was just amazing and yeah. mind-blowing. There's so many, so cool, like, so many cool little pockets all over L.A. of, like, people doing interesting people stuff coming from out of we town don't really too, have which is great, a great you know? outlet to, like, kind of put it all together. And so I really hope that Zine Fest is successful and we can do it again. I think that's why they did the whole we Zine Week before and everything. Mm-hmm. It's making it feel like it's been here already. Like, this is, like, the third annual or something. It's only the first, and I think they're building momentum and creating attention for this to be something that's here every year. Yeah. Which I think is, like, really important, and they're really smart for doing it like that. You know, I mean, they got, like, LA Record pushing them. They've got... I mean, they've they've tied in with so many different businesses that might even conflict with like who they're trying to get. You know, like comic book stores, bookstores, with other comic book stores. But everybody understands that's for the benefit of books and publishing right. and buying. And the other it's thing, you know, like consumer. the three of us are all like artists who do like visual art and comics and stuff. But there's like a lot of like just like literary zines, just people writing yeah. prose stuff and lesbian poetry. poetry. And, yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be all kinds. It's of got its place. Stuff, so. Photography zines. I mean, yeah, it's it's all sorts. It's gonna be a really amazing. Back. Yeah, and there's and as we were saying, so many events and exhibits. There's a, a screen printing social on the eighth at Homeroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the Art Walk takeover on the ninth, which is a, a downtown the Art Walk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The streets, will the streets run red with the blood of the infidels? Yes, I think <laughs> red takeover black with the the blood of toner from. <laughs> 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 There's the uh, a release party for Razor Cake. <laughs> yeah, the permanent oh, yeah, records. That's cool. Yeah, and that's gonna be. There's like two really good bands playing too. So yeah, if that's on the same day as oh no, it's actually next Saturday, right? The 11th, the ninth, right? No. The the Razor Cake party is the 11th at Permanent yeah. Records, and then Alex, your show at uh, Flock Shop. Yeah, will be on on the 11th as well. And Chump Boy's show is where. 
that homeroom on the on the eleventh, well. yeah. <laughs> so homeroom. You want to just go to events, all those? Too. Yeah. Well, it's not, I, can't, I can't do any of them. That's my like wife's five. birthday, so <sighs> yes. I can't do anything on the eleventh except you gotta draw pop hang out with my wife. Except celebrate. Yeah, celebrate my wife. She's awesome. She is awesome. We're not talk- we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> Wait, no, let's talk. Can about we that. talk about Popeye that Alex brought up? Or? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, what's going on? Let's talk about Popeye. Popeye. Uh, well, I, I just got the. We'll see how it works out, but I got the job to draw new Popeye comics, so that's pretty exciting. Spoiler alert: Does he still live in a garbage can? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I sort of remember it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I guess they, the IDW, it's a publisher out of San, San Diego. They just they started. They got the license to do new Popeye comics, and they're written by Roger Landridge, who's a British cartoonist who's done a lot of stuff like the recent Muppet Show comics. But before yeah. that, he did his own stuff. That he wrote Andrew, um, Fred the Clown, um, and then the, I guess they. <sighs> Six months ago, they contacted me about maybe doing the artwork for it, but I was too busy with my wolf tour and everything to tackle that. Yeah. And they found another artist who I am a jerk for not remembering his name at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they needed a backup artist to fill in some other stuff, so I got to do... I'm doing issue number three and a backup story in issue number two that I'm trying to tackle right now. So it's kind of my first... My first leap into doing like comics as a pro instead of like you know one of those lowly self-publishing jerks who's just trying to make it. You know? Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. It's a, it's a weird place to be creatively because I've always been like a fiercely independent. I only want to do my own stuff, but you know I, I also am trying to survive as an artist, so I'm trying to do different things. And doing comics for pay is like a new experiment for me, and I think this is like the dream intro to that world. Yeah. I was going to say, plus, because, it's, it's Popeye. I mean, I've got Popeye <laughs> yeah. anchors tattooed exactly. on my arm. I, I worship Popeye comics. So it's like, I couldn't have a more ideal uh, opportunity to enter that. So we'll see what happens, but very I'm cool. excited. That's very cool. Hey, everybody. Um, we've recently started accepting donations. If you like our show, you can go to shakytownradio.com slash donate. Or you can go to the Shaky Town Radio page and click the donate button. Either way, it's an easy way to give us a couple bucks. Um, anything helps. And even if you don't donate money, uh, you can certainly leave us a review on iTunes uh, and tell your friends on Twitter or Facebook or Google Circle Plus or whatever they're calling it. But uh, we appreciate anything you could give us. It helps us defray our costs and uh, bring you the... Oh, I'm not going to be able to say it with a straight face. The quality programming that we give you every year. Um, but thank you very much for your donations that uh, have come before, and uh, we look forward to giving you more uh, Shaky Town Radio. I was, uh, as, as Keenan said, you didn't want to ask the same questions over again, right? I, I re-listened to the, the first the Tom Neely interview, and um, you actually mentioned Dylan in that interview, and I know uh, that you are involved now with Sparkplug. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, uh, and that's uh, Sparkplug's coming to LA Zine Fest, too. Um, Sparkplug Comic Books was a company started by my friend Dylan Williams, uh, who just passed this year. Um, but he basically started off the same way I did, was self-publishing his own comics, reporter comics, and as he started to, you know, broaden out, which is something I'm starting to do too, he started to publish other people, starting with an anthology called Orchid, and then published some works by Jason Shiga and, and uh, oh God, I'm, I'm 
sorry, I'm forgetting names at the moment. But um, he, he, he started to grow his company into like publishing a lot of like small press people and, and people that did a lot of mini comics and specifically like really good art comics that he had like a, an agenda to like publish people that he thought needed a platform to have their artwork presented to a larger audience but weren't necessarily going to get picked up by a larger publisher in the comics realm like Top Shelf or Fantagraphics or something you know so he, he wanted to channel his money and energy into promoting art that he liked that was a little bit more offbeat so anyway he, he was a big supporter of mine and I submitted to him, I submitted the blot to him five years ago and he rejected it because he said you his reasons for rejecting me was like well you deserve to be published by somebody better than me <laughs> Uh, but if you don't want to do that, you should self-publish because he, he, I think he very early on saw that potential in me to like want to do, nice to do that. So I started working with him a lot. I traveled around a lot with him. We did a lot of shows together and we kind of worked as like partners already, just like partnering up at conventions. And anyway, when he passed away this year, his wife and his publishing partner, Virginia, um, wanted me to partner with them to help keep spark plug going and so so far so good we're, we're uh, the, uh, we've kept it afloat we're going we're looking to publish a new book uh, nurse nurse by katie skelly should be out in april debuting at the Stumptown comics festival in portland and uh yeah from there on we're not you know we've got some other stuff in the works but it's going, going well so far it's it's interesting kind of moving into like a partnership with somebody in Portland, but uh, it feels good to like keep, keep this legacy alive. So if people are interested in more information about that, what website should they go to? Uh, SparkplugComicBooks.com. And they, Emily, uh, Dylan's wife, Emily, who is now running the company with me in Virginia, she's coming down and bringing a, a whole array of Sparkplug books. So, so that'll cool. be cool. And um, yeah, so... Awesome. Now, Keenan, uh, what what else does uh, Drippy Bone have uh, uh, slated for this year? Well, oh, shit. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff. I'm working uh, with Victor Cairo to do a full-length comic called Bittersweet Romance, and that's going to be coming out later on this year. And it's, you know, Victor is like a singular voice and somebody who needs to be doing as much and be seen as much as possible. He's totally crazy. And his like <clears throat> it's it's like an insanity that I love and that I want and that and, and it's inspiring too. So I'm really excited to do this comic that, you know, his page sizes are all different because he's like drawing it over a year and a half, so he's just like drawing so the layout's <laughs> gonna be interesting, how it's gonna be figured out to print, but it's gonna be glorious. I, I'm really excited about that. And then I got Pat Alicio um, from Philadelphia, does Yeah Dude Comics, and he just did some stuff with Box Brown on Retrofit Comics. Um, he's really amazing. I'm doing a couple things with him. I'm doing uh, For Real Real, which is his uh, anthology comic of all the little things he's done for other releases. Uh, that looks amazing. It's really great. I think that's going to come out in July, probably. Uh, and then I'm also working with him and Josh Bear and Darren Schuler to do a Marvel Presents where like everybody's doing a short like weird D-list Marvel character nice. story so Josh Bear is doing ROM because uh, <laughs> uh, he loves ROM he's done yeah. ROM a lot and it's amazing uh, Pat is doing a Man Thing comic that he's like had like it's grown in his mind like a seed for several years so he's, he's like 
that's the reason why it's happening. Because he's like, we ha- I have to do this comic. And then Darren, I, I didn't hear what he's going to do yet. He, he said something, but I had no idea what the, the beak. I have no fucking idea what the beak <laughs> is. So maybe, that that's sounds familiar. It's, it was in passing. It's probably very D-list, because I'm like, and that's my problem. I have no idea what I'm going to do for that, but yeah. I'm doing that later this year. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I have tons of things planned, but who knows yeah. how many of them will happen this year or spread into next year. Horizon 5 at some point, but... I can't even think about that. I have lots of Horizon Four sitting around still. To yeah, get rid of, so <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons. Uh, but yeah, I got lots of stuff. Cool. And people keep track of that on drippybonebooks.com. Yes. And Alex. Yeah, AlexDoodles.com. AlexDoodles.com. <clears throat> what do you got but coming up? Eyeball Burp too. Um, eyeballburp.com. Uh, we're we're coming out with a new publication. It's our friend that I went to school with, but she moved to Brooklyn. Her name's Tina Tay, and. It's writing. I, it's not necessarily lesbian writing. I don't know what it is, but it's great. You know, it's uh, it's that was Tina's writing about. <laughs> not all zines are lesbian writing. No, no, no. But I mean, she's, she's, worried, be fine. she's a great fine, illustrator. Fine. I forgot the name of the title. It's kind of ridiculous, but it's a lavender zine. I, so if you come by, I, Brody said. Brody said if it was if all zines were lesbian writing, that would be okay. I would not be okay with that. Would be kind of weird. Not not that it would be wrong. Wouldn't it be strange? Or maybe it would be so common that I, I we would all just accept what it. what I was talking about when I said, if I met, <laughs> like, 13-year-old, I'm finding out I'm a yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that's what I grew up with. Yeah, or, or just bad 13-year-old poetry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Feminist literature kind of a thing? Yes, but also, like, I mean, lots of, like, the lesbian poetry. <laughs> like, I'm in Tampa, Clearwater, Florida. You know, it's an armpit. And, lots, you know, <laughs> kids are trying to do anything. That's where, like, mall rats, like, orig- like the worst sort of troll kids wearing, like, jangling fucking clothes, <laughs> making noise that live at the mall all day. That's, like, Florida where I grew up. Right. So Tina Tay, she's a great illustrator. <laughs> Way to bring it back. I mean, definitely check that out. We're really proud of it. And it's actually our first full zine that we're publishing of another artist besides the compilation zine that we do. So that's coming out, and then I'll probably have, like, a free publication that I'll want to give away. It might be really terrible but come by and pick that up at zine fest yeah it's a market that <laughs> you can find all this gonna be shitty but it'll be free this might be terrible on the cover you can find all the details about the event at lazinefest.com there's so much stuff going on i'm gonna try to hit up as much as i can uh, I, I would love to do that yeah but it's probably not well yeah let's and as we exit the show let's say yeah. probably farewell to gene for a while yep yeah. Gene's gonna be Gene's uh, um, gonna be tending to a new son, so uh, mm-hmm. I'll still be putting these out with um, a couple guest hosts uh, over the next month or so, depending on when we can get Gene back. But Gene, uh, we wish you and Tish and Matilda all. We give you all our love and, and regards. And baby to be named. And baby, the baby who named. shall not be named. Brody Jr. Oh God! Not a fucking chance. Because <laughs> Megan has already made it clear that there's not going to be Brody Jr. in our family. So, well, somebody's got to name somebody after me. <laughs> well, we figured you could just name your kid whatever you wanted. So if you wanted to name, whatever. you know, like make the twelfth of something, you could do that. <laughs> but uh, Gene, we I love you, and I'm, I'm excited for you and your Thank family. You, and I love you too. Yeah, we're, we're, congratulations. I and. Love you, uh, 
this is ridiculous <laughs> shit. Right? <laughs> when, a, when a podcast and a zine fest love each other very much. <laughs> sure, especially. Uh, so no, this is perfect. Like like uh, all coming together again. Tom was on our first episode. A hundred episodes later, not only has he uh, going to be on episode two hundred. Yes. But well, we expect. It. I was going to say because I was I was going to ask if if anybody else has anything they want to put on the record. Go ahead. I just want to put on the record. Probably you guys are welcome back anytime you want. If you want to do uh, individual interviews and do a. A career retrospective and, and get down into the you know nitty gritty. You guys are welcome back and uh, thank you so much for coming on. And thank Tom, you. thank you so much for hosting us. Sure, today. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so um, that's the show, everybody. Uh, keep tuning in and uh, donate at shakytownradio.com/slash/donate. Uh, until our next episode, I am Brody Foster Hubbard. I'm Gene George. Alex Chew. Tom Neely. Thanks. Thank Bye, you. guys. Bye, everybody. Training. Yeah, that was resounding. The end.